0: follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: My top people over there that I couldn't farm without all are
3: immigrants.
4: Today on KSL Plus, immigration issues,
3: there's not enough supply of locally born, U.S. born labor to
4: satisfy the demand. Industries are struggling to get the qualified workers they need to build buildings and homes, and to help put food on the table.
2: This is a matter of whether you're going to eat or not every day.
4: I'm Matt Rascone, and this is KSL Plus, KSL TV's digital-only news show and podcast. And today we're diving into the issues the construction and farming industries are facing and how they impact us here at home. So let's start at the grocery store. According to the USDA, we spend less on food than ever before. Between 1960 and 1998, the average share of disposable personal income spent on total food by Americans fell from 17 to 10%. In 2019, the USDA said Americans' food budgets hit an historic low. Just 9.5% of our income goes to food. That's groceries and eating out. One of the big reasons we spend less immigrant farm workers they make up 70 percent of the agricultural workforce nationwide and my colleague garna mejia joins me now and garna i know that you've been looking at some of these issues surrounding immigration when it comes to these industries so let's start with agriculture you met with ron gibson he's the president of the utah farm bureau federation i'm not
2: doing this for the money
4: And also a farmer in Salt Lake City. I'm doing
2: this because it's in my heart.
1: Yeah, we took a drive up to Ron Gibson's farm up north, and it was really interesting. Something that he pointed out to us is that, you know, his farm is heavily reliant on immigrant uh, labor. So immigrants from different types of what we would consider legal status those that live in the country that have uh, the ability to work here and those that are actually coming in from other countries Um, the the point of our visit was to specifically discuss uh, the workforce modern the farmers workforce modernization act of 2021 and so what that bill does is it proposes changes to uh, the agriculture industry uh, in terms of the type of workforce and laborers that they can bring on. At the end of the day, what Ron shared with us is that there's a huge labor shortage um, on farms across Utah and across the country. Um, So there's some pros that he likes about this bill, but at the end of the day, it's something that he's going to oppose.
4: Now, what is the issue though with like, for example, why why can't he get you know workers right here in the US and and what what where's the disconnect when it comes to actually bringing on these immigrant workers
1: Yeah okay so something that's really interesting and I don't know if I just said it but 70% of uh workers on a farm across the country are going to be immigrants And so the issue that Ron brings up is that quite frankly there's just not enough American born people uh US born people with legal status that want to work on a farm he tells us that the salary is great, but they just don't have the labor. People interested in working in the field for you know multiple hours a day, and so um, he he shared with us. You know, there's this program which allows uh, farmers to bring in uh, workers from other countries, as I just mentioned. But there's caps on it. There's kind of a lot of regulations that go into play with it. The biggest
2: issue with putting a cap on visas as we roll forward is we don't know really how many undocumented workers are working in agriculture today.
1: And so um, it makes it just that much harder for them to get the work that they need. And he says, you know, it really comes down to something that affects everybody's pocketbooks. If you want to continue paying a dollar 99 cents at the grocery store for a bag of grapes, then you need to kind of understand how this food supply works and where there's this break in people willing to go out into those fields and, and, and pick those products. Um, Um, So that's kind of the issue is that there are just not American people that want these jobs. And he actually points out, which I thought was really interesting. um, He's posted, you know, every year on KSL Classified, these job openings, $15 an hour to go and work on the farm. It's been four years
2: since I've had anyone apply for that job from America. He
1: hasn't had one person apply for that job that is not an immigrant.
4: But these aren't jobs that you can necessarily go to. I think you even asked him, you know, go over to Home Depot and go grab someone. I mean, you you kind of told the story a little bit of Canado Lopez. Uh, What's the story? And and these are, are maybe more than just, you know, grabbing people off the street to cover this work.
1: Well, and yeah, you know, and in kind of getting into that concept of grabbing people off the street, you also have to understand that a lot of those people are don't have a, a legal status in America. So there is demand for that workforce. Right. Uh, what Ron kind of talked about was just kind of all levels of uh, skill labor that are required on a farm from someone that's picking grapes to the mechanic that's fixing the tractor to someone else that knows how to milk a cow. And so he says, you know, there's this concept that a lot of immigrant workers are not skilled, but a lot of these people are very, very skilled. They don't have a bachelor's or a master's or a law degree, but they have the ability to know how to care and nurture for an animal and help it produce more milk with it, which at the end of the day ends up helping us.
2: I can't just go replace those people by, by going to town and trying to find somebody without a job. These are skilled positions that we have to have to make this business work and to make to to help to feed America. And without those, we're out. Without those, we can't do this.
1: Right. And so he talks about how his farm, you know, there's those key employees that if he did not have them, you know, his farm would not be able to function. And all of those key employees are from other countries, came here as immigrants.
4: Okay. So let's get back to the bill that you already mentioned, the Farm Mm -hmm. Workforce uh, Modernization Bill or Act. Uh, it's passed the House. It's in the Senate. So just to recap, it, it would give legal status to undocumented workers, increase the amount of visas for temporary farm workers, uh, mandate a wage increase up from $15 an hour here in Utah. What doesn't Gibson like about the bill?
1: So he feels that the bill doesn't address two key points, right, which he feels are like major obstacles uh, that that farmers are facing. One of them is uh, being able to uh, have control over how many workers can come and and work. And and, and if you look at it, you know, as I mentioned, 70 percent of the workforce on a farm nationwide. And this is I think the statistics is a few years old, but they're immigrants. Now, within that group, you have another portion that are undocumented, right? So understanding, getting a real idea of of how important foreign uh, labor is to the agriculture industries. I think something that we um, need to really consider um, so what he talks about is this this act as it stands is it is going to put a cap on how many people can come and work and it doesn't address the issue of what labor they can they can do so he feels it's an antiquated uh policy that we have in place from the 70s or 80s, you know, 60s, when they were trying to prevent, uh, to incur- to help Americans feel like if you want these jobs, they can be yours, um, and we're not going to, you know, shortchange you and drive down wages. Um, and so there was caps as to, you know, if you were going to bring in a seasonal worker, then they had to be doing seasonal labor. So they could only be working on a tomato field because those are seasonal products. They could not come and work on a dairy farm. And that continues to be in place today.
2: So this program that we have right now is working for some sectors of agriculture, but it doesn't work for all sectors of agriculture.
1: And so Ron feels that that, that needs to be addressed, that if you need a, a worker that's in you know a dairy then they can come and work on the dairy and do that maybe six nine months that they shouldn't be limited to the work that they can do so that's a concept number one the second concept is um this bill requires that they um have a Every year they're going to get a wage increase. And so, you know, as he explains it, right now they're paying about $15 an hour. If they are employees that are coming in to America, they also have to uh, consider housing and uh, transportation. And he's like, so at the end of the day, ends up being in the 20s, you know, low 20s uh, per hour. They're costing me $23
2: an hour to pick that tomato for you. And that's unsustainable. Like a uh, food is too cheap in America for us to be able to sustain that.
1: He says, if you take that and you're forcing uh, an automatic uh, wage increase, but you're not forcing an automatic wage increase or uh, cost increase of produce, then he's like, it's going to make us bankrupt. So if we have more workers that can come, but we can't afford them, We're still in the same problem. So the problem with
2: mandating to me what we have to pay our employees is nobody mandates what I can sell my product for. So I sell my product on the free market, but you mandate what I have to pay my employees here. That doesn't work for me.
1: Um, The other thing that he kind of brings up is that he doesn't want it to be federal control over how many workers can come and, and making those decisions. He feels that it's something that need, needs to be done at the state level and allowing each legislator to look at its agriculture industry, dairy farms, and figure out, okay, how many workers do we need? Where are these gaps? And how can we best fill them in at the state level, you know, and give them that control.
4: So the bill would allow these farm workers uh, legal status in the country. What's, what's the, the impact there? What was Gibson's take?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, Matt. So um, this, this, Bill, It would also create a path towards a legal status for uh, folks that have been working for years on a farm. Right. I think it's anywhere between four to eight years. Um, It would give them, quote unquote, what they call the green card. So you wouldn't become a citizen, but you would uh, have residency. And so uh, Ron really likes that. He says, you know, I have those employees. I've known those farm uh, workers who are here as undocumented immigrants and they don't have that uh, door open to them for upward Mobility, Right. So he says those that have worked for us for years, like they deserve that. Let's let's give them those opportunities. Those people should have green cards. However, that doesn't necessarily solve the problem of having uh, enough workers on a farm, because the way he sees it is if uh, you give someone a legal status, you know, right now they're doing this job because it can people turn a blind eye maybe or it's easier to get a job on a farm as an undocumented person. Once you have that legal status, you're going to want to go to your local fast food restaurant and work in the air conditioning or uh, seek an education or do other things, um, you know, that are really part of the American dream.
2: But once they have a green card, if they don't stay and work on the farm, then I'm going to be in trouble again. And so, so the question is the visa cap number. That's why that's so important.
1: And so he says, I, I love that concept. I think it's great for, for farm workers. But the problem is we still have a labor shortage on a farm. And so that's where he brings in um, and, and really advocates for this concept of give, bringing in uh, foreign workers to work here temporarily, to work here legally temporarily, but be able to go home at the end of a season or at the end of six months or whatever. Es que yo no las maltrato, no... Um, And we spoke with a couple of the uh, foreign workers that he had on the farm. And they mentioned to us, you know, I love where I come from. I love Mexico, El Salvador. Um, I think there were some from Argentina. And if I could have that ability, you know, to continue coming and going. That's what I would like to do. I want to remain in my country and, and have my family there, but be able to come and work here, make $15 in an hour, which for the exact same, if not slightly harder labor, I would be making, you know, in Mexico, $15 in two days, perhaps.
4: All right. Well, another industry that has really been struggling when it comes to immigration or immigrant workers is construction. And Garner, I know you spoke to Chad Magleby. It's the owner of Magleby Construction. What is the situation that he and his company have found themselves in?
1: Yeah, you know, that's another uh, situation. Just as you mentioned, there's major labor shortage when it comes to the construction industry. And we're learning that from Magleby Construction, which is a major player in the construction industry here in Utah. Um, they're heavily involved in the National Association of Home Builders. Um, they are putting a lot of money into lobbying efforts to bring a, raise awareness about this uh, worker shortage in the construction industry. And so they say, you know, take a look at our, you know, construction sites across the valley, go to any new home project, go anywhere else that you need to go to. And you're going to see that the majority of the folks that are working there are going to be uh, foreign born. They're going to be from different countries or, you know, they're going to be immigrants And so um, they say there is just this. And I think I looked up a statistic. Don't quote me on it, but I can look it up for you guys. Um, But I think a few years ago, maybe six to seven years ago, they were saying that for every four people that were retiring, there was only three people that were coming in to to replace those jobs, right?
3: The labor force that uh, might have built our homes 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, they're aging out, uh, these qualified uh, craftsmen. And there's not a generation of craft workers to take their place.
1: So you have this uh, generation of skilled, uh, hard-work type of laborers that are leaving the industry, that are going to be retiring, but you just don't have enough of the new generation wanting and taking an interest in the construction industry. And so that's the problem that they face, is that the majority of people that want to work are immigrants. But if they don't have a legal status, uh, folks like Maggleby Construction cannot employ them.
3: And so we're really committed to doing this legally and lawfully.
4: Maggleby seemed to really have a problem with the way Congress was handling or really not handling uh, the immigration issues. The insanity that
3: happens in the political scene in terms of trying to... Uh, posture position and not solve this immigration issue is uh, is just mind-boggling to me as a business owner both
1: parties that we spoke with both the farmers and you know construction magleby feel that way there's just this real frustration with their perception of how uh, Congress how uh, legislators how political leaders on both sides of the aisle are handling the what they call you know immigration issue
3: the politicians uh, and the games that they play um, in the background around the issue of immigration are, are going to stifle our economy. And it's, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating that there's not politicians out there who have a moral compass or the courage to solve this issue. And it seems like they just push immigration to the sideline and uh, tackle things that uh, are maybe less emotional or less... Uh, uh, controversial,
1: And so they say, you know, you can't uh, bag this into one thing, uh, you know, and it's a heavily charged issue. There's a lot of emotions with it. But at the end of the day, you have to understand the importance of um, immigrant work on our economy, right? And on building our cities and whatnot. So what Magleby was saying was, I'm just frustrated and I'm done with politicians and the, their lack of, you know, what he considers inaction when it comes to finding solutions for the construction industry and this uh, work. Worker shortage that they say is currently present and is only getting worse. You know, in in years to come, is only going to get worse in years to come. And so, what they did a couple of, uh, well, I think it was about five to six years ago, they decided, hey, maybe there's a way we can go and find and recruit skilled, you know, laborers, you know, people that want to work with their hands, carpenters. Uh, technicians, construction type workers that we can recruit from another country since we can't find them here. So let's try Mexico. We can find them, we can recruit them, we can train them. And maybe there's a employment uh, workforce visa program that they can come in and legally, lawfully uh, work in America and be able to keep our company afloat and help us keep building America as it's growing. And so they went down there, they set up shop. They tell me it cost them millions of dollars only to find out that it's a lot harder than they thought it was going to be. But that just kind of underscores their frustration with Congress and, and, and political leaders and not addressing this, you know, broken system of immigration is really what they're saying.
3: My, my stance on immigration is this, if they're legal, lawful and contributing,
4: we want every one of them. So they were tired of waiting around and really took yep. things into their own hands, it sounds like.
1: Yep, that's exactly what they did. So when they found uh, all the hurdles with Mexico, they decided, okay, well, why don't we try like Puerto Rico? Uh, Puerto Rico does not have the same uh, legal hurdles that you would have in Mexico because uh, Puerto Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. So they thought maybe we can find and recruit and train and certify uh, folks from uh, Puerto Rico that can then come and work in the States. And so they tell me that uh, in the last yeah, four or five years, I think Puerto Rico was after Mexico, they've only had about 12 people that they've been able to help transition and move to the States. And out of those 12 people, only six have, you know, really stuck around because there's cultural differences, uh, longer work week in America versus Puerto Rico. And so they say, you know, it's that hard. And I said, you know, that's really costly. And their answer to me was, yeah, but that's six more workers than we had before. And
4: one of the other things he, I know he mentioned was uh, that they do make it a point to only hire those who can come into the country legally. But that comes with its own cost. I mean, not only financially, but time.
3: It takes years, right? It's super expensive. And the system is so broken uh, that it encourages individuals to come here illegally.
1: As I understand it from, you know, farmers all over California, Utah, Arizona, uh, there's a system called e-verify. So if you uh, get a job on a farm, uh, the government, the federal government does not necessarily require you to verify that the information that that in prospective employee has provided is legal. That's that's as I understand it. And I can you know look that up for you guys um, when it comes to the construction industry. They require E-Verify. So every single employee has to have a, a legal status and their paperwork has to be in order. And so they're just more more set in what the requirements are. And so MAG um, because of that, they are forced and, and have to only hire workers that have a legal status. And so that makes it that much harder because, you know, if you have someone that wants to work, but they're undocumented, they're not going to be able to get a job on a construction site. But those are the people that want the job, right? And so that's why they had to go out of the country and try to find workers that could legally and lawfully come into the country with some sort of an employment visa and do it.
3: You know, there's great uh, skilled workers here in America, um, but the demand uh, growth that we have, uh, not just in construction, but other hard labor industries, uh, there's not enough supply of locally born, U.S. born labor to satisfy the demand. Um, And that's really, I think that's always been the case.
4: I think both of these stories that you covered really drive home the fact that what's happening at the border, what's not happening at the border uh, impacts us here at home.
1: Well, and I think, um, you you know, you touch on a really important point, right? Because you can kind of look at this immigration thing and and we all want to just kind of make it simple, but it's really a complex Issue, Right. So what's happening at the border um, doesn't necessarily uh, reflect the need and and the importance and the contributions that the immigrants have currently right now in the country that there is for that immigrant labor you know, but those are issues that need to be addressed. And something that, you know, Magleby and that the farmers were saying is we're not saying that, you know, we shouldn't be able to track everyone that comes into the country. Like, no, we should be able to legally and lawfully track people that come into the country and allow them and and create opportunities for them, but also have consequences for those that, you know, shouldn't be here or that are breaking the law or quite frankly, just not contributing to building the American dream. And so um, something that they, that's, that was part of their frustration with, this. We're just frustrated with politicians because they just make it all sound all or nothing. And we really just need to have a common sense approach to um, this immigration issue.
4: Okay. Garna Mejia, thank you very much. Uh, and you can catch her reporting on KSL TV and KSLTV.com. We appreciate your time. So the debate over immigration at our nation's capital continues, of course. The frustrating part for some of these companies is the lack of urgencies. And there's no real timeline for when things might change for them and their workers. That does it for us this week on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. See you again next week.